All right. John 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar said, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is Jesus. This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents and they asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? 
and they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. The Lord, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you haven't left us to roam around this world without guidance, but that you have spoken to us. So as we've heard your word, I ask that you'd help us to understand what we're hearing, to receive it and to respond as you would have us respond. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so you see on the screen, very simple title for today's message, a simple theme, Jesus Heals the Blind. Still kind of warm for me, a boy from Portland, Oregon, so we're going to just kind of continue this summer series we've been on, looking at Jesus. I believe that the Bible is perfect in its revelation of Jesus. I believe that everything about Jesus informs us about God and is relevant to our life. Every bit. Every aspect. So let's look at the beginning of the story. What's interesting about this is that it's the followers of Jesus who raise the question, why is this man blind? And it's not a crazy question, because in the Old Testament, there were several occasions of people who were struck sick because of sin. The Bible is explicit in its description of those stories. And there are also many stories where it's obvious that people were sick not because of sin. In fact, the first book of the Bible that was ever written down that we have record of today is Job. And the entire story of Job points out that a person can suffer without sin as the cause. Hezekiah contracted a terminal illness that was not a result of sin. Both Elisha and Elijah raised boys from the dead that died not because of sin. Um, so there were, there were multiple reasons for that. Multiple reasons that a person could causes that might have caused a person to be sick and there were healing miracles in the in the Old Testament. Over hundreds of years of the journey that people had in worshiping God and following God, there were several healing miracles that were recorded, and they happened in different ways. And so this is a, a question, something that was on their mind, something that they were trying to learn about. And they had recognized that Jesus had a voice that mattered, that spoke truth, that was guiding to them. And so they were seeking spiritual perspective from Jesus. I don't think this question was cynical. I don't think it was trying to judge the the blind man. I think they were genuinely seeking some wisdom. And if you look in Scripture, the miracle of healing someone who was blind is something that was significant to Jesus. I mean... 
Well, let's I'll give you a couple of examples of that. So Psalm 146 verse 8 says this, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Now, believers that we see recorded in the Old Testament, this was a big deal because he, the, the blind man is right. No one in the Old Testament who was born blind was healed. It hadn't been done. It was a specific miracle. Now, Elisha was in a situation that was a little sketchy, and he asked God to make the enemy army blind, and then he later restored their sight. But that was a different thing. And you notice that the blind man is specific in his, de- in his description. No one who has been born this way has been healed. And yet there was a recognition that God opens the eyes of the blind. It was something that was specifically noted. And we see among the messianic prophecies that were given to Isaiah in Isaiah 35 and verse 5, when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. And we see that it's specifically noted early in the ministry of Jesus as Jesus did heal multiple people that were blind, that were unable to see, recovering of sight to the blind is something that Jesus actually notes when he quotes Isaiah 61 in the synagogue revealing his identity. It's a specific thing. And when his cousin, John the Baptist, is trying to get him to be more public with his identity as Savior, he's kind of calling him out by sending, John the Baptist sends some of his followers to Jesus and his followers, and Jesus' words, his message back, if you will, his his, his DM back to his cousin John the Baptist is go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. And one of the first things Jesus says as an evidence that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, is the blind see. So this is a miracle that is significant. It's significant to Jesus. He looks at it as significant. It's significant in his identity as Savior. But let's not get it twisted. For Jesus and that man who was born without the ability to see, it was significant in that moment between Jesus and that one person. Each person matters. Each person has milestones. We've got Leo here this morning who just had a birthday. Everybody's giving happy birthday to Leo. Happy birthday, Lee. (laughs) I think if God came to me and gave me the opportunity to ask for anything about myself physically to be changed, I think I would probably ask for perfect eyesight. Most of you don't know I wear contacts most of the time, glasses, right? My vision is my left eye is worse than my right eye, and it's not getting better. And, you know, I've prayed for God to to do a miracle, and He hasn't chosen to do a miracle. I think that would be one thing. But I can't really imagine what it would be like to be born blind. I can't really imagine what His parents felt. And Jesus involves His parents in the miracle. Jesus is compassionate to the whole situation of what's going on. Yes, he reveals his identity as Messiah. Yes, that is the big thing for everybody else. That is maybe the reason that it is recorded. But I think we would be 
We would make a mistake if we are trying to be followers of Jesus and we overlooked the fact that in this story, Jesus was specifically doing a miracle for this man. That it mattered. That he saw how the man had suffered. He saw how his parents had suffered. Now, as I was a child growing up, my family, we knew a lady named Cecily who was blind. And a couple times, I got kind of old enough, it helped her out with different projects in her house. If memory serves, I think I cut her grass once, which I was never fantastic at. Um, and I spent enough time with Cecily as a child to get somewhat of an understanding of what it means to be blind. And people that are blind, a lot of times, well, I'll just speak for myself. Growing up, I didn't know, like, how do you interact with someone who's blind? Right? What's, what should you do? What should you say? And you might find yourself in a social situation where you're close enough to someone who is blind, physically close enough in a room, where you might suddenly, you've realized you've not said anything to this person to recognize their presence in the room, but you might also realize that they can hear and they know that you're there. And then you realize, I haven't said anything. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever had this experience. Well, in the ancient world, it didn't have ADA, didn't have, you know, other things to try to help people with special needs. I don't know what his life was like. Now, he clearly had come to a place in his life where he couldn't, make money another way so he's there asking for money and I don't think it's a stretch to imagine that he was ignored by a lot of people I mean I don't know that human nature has evolved that much since then if it does you know what I'm saying and I've had, I've had friends that have gone blind. Of all the physical ailments that you can have, that's horrible. It's a horrible thing. I think if we just turn this story into allegory, we will miss the power of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. Jesus sees the suffering and he does a miracle. And the Pharisees that are there, they're trying to reject the identity of Christ as Savior. They're trying to make a legal case out of a misinterpretation of the Sabbath that God had given them. They're missing the point. They're calling into question the identity of Jesus, and then they call into the question the identity of this man because they refuse to believe the miracle. But at the end of the day, upon examination, the miracle cannot be rejected. It cannot be denied. The miracle occurred. 
This man who was not able to see from birth could now suddenly see. And it's, I think it's not for nothing that in his interaction with Jesus, Jesus says, you have seen me. That is both a natural and a spiritual thing because what does he do? Jesus turns in the conversation with the Pharisees. You are claiming to be people with spiritual perception and yet you are refusing to recognize who I am. If you, Jesus says, if you were unable to see, you would not be guilty. But you are able to see, and yet you are claiming that you cannot see me, and so you are guilty. Jesus is challenging, he's calling it what it is, they cannot perceive spiritually because they are choosing to not see spiritually. They don't have spiritual perception, and yet Jesus is also challenging them in a public way, to, to, out of his compassion for us, out of his compassion for those who were around to expose the fact that these people who had elevated themselves to be spiritual leaders, and don't kid yourself, this stuff still happens today. They are claiming to be spiritual leaders, and they're claiming that they have spiritual perception, and yet they are refusing to recognize Jesus Christ for who he is. So both the miracle of opening eyes that had been blind since birth to be able to see in the natural so that that man could enjoy his life more fully and also the realization that when Christ returns to this earth, all of our maladies will be healed, right? We come as those of us who worship Christ as Savior, we look to Him as Savior, all the wrongs will be made right. Our healing will be ultimate, will be final. The pain that I feel in my body today, I will not feel on that day. Some of us should be more excited about that coming day. I'm just saying. So, Jesus is revealed to us because in that moment, He is personal, He is compassionate, He is healing the thing that the man cared about the most. And call back to a month ago, we talked about faith and forgiveness and Jesus having a conversation with the man who could not walk. And what does he do? He looks at the man in the eyes and he recognizes the spiritual need. And he says, your sins have been forgiven. Jesus is a savior who is perceptive. I wonder if sometimes when we go through a season of prayerlessness, It is because we have become discouraged and we are no longer fully believing that Jesus is a Savior who is perceptive. But Jesus is a Savior who is perceptive. And it is with His love and His compassion that He does a healing miracle. And consider this about the blindness. It was a defining limitation from birth that was beyond his control to repair. Okay? Now everyone in this room has something about us. Maybe it's physical. 
Maybe it's mental, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's decision-making patterns, maybe it's a defect of character. Everyone in this room, and y'all look fantastic today, by the way. Everyone in this room has some kind of characteristic that we maybe we tr- maybe we try to hide it, but it is a defining characteristic and it is a limitation and life has proven that we are unable to fix it. What is God the Holy Spirit saying to us this morning through this story? He is saying that Jesus the Savior transcends the limitations of this world, transcends the limitations that you carry. Whatever that thing is, when I start talking about it and you know, Whatever that thing is about yourself that has become a defining characteristic, that is a limitation that you can't overcome, whatever that thing is, Jesus is more powerful. I wonder if anyone in this room has seen God bring a healing miracle to them? Has anyone in this room seen God do something new, a new life in them, and found themselves able to live in a way that they were not able to live before? Come on! Let me give you just one of my many stories relevant to this. The fourth time I broke an arm, I'm not lying. The fourth time I broke an arm was skateboarding, I dislocated and I broke this elbow. And I'm not going to get graphic, don't worry. It was, it was really bad. It was the worst. And God did two miracles. One, after all the examination and getting it back in place without surgery, there was a bone chip in the elbow, in the joint, floating around the size of a quarter. And they were thinking they were going to have to do surgery in the morning. And they, I had had a concussion, so they kept me in the hospital overnight. They woke me up every hour, checking on me. Woke up the next morning, did x-rays, and the bone chip was gone. Just gone. And we haven't discovered it in other places. It's just, <laughs> just gone. Now... I go through weeks and weeks, months of therapy and exercises, and after all of that, I could only open my arm to here. I had scars, I had lost muscle, where the muscles had been torn, I could only open my arm to here. Now some of you may have noticed that I can open my arm to here. I have full range of motion, and my doctors said it's a miracle. It could, it could have been a defining limitation in my life and God decided to do a miracle. So some of you have asked me, Pastor Ben, why, even though we face so many, because they know that I have discouragement about uh, prayer requests that are not answered, why do you still have faith? Why do we still talk about healing prayer so much? I have experienced it. And I've seen miracles, documented, medically documented miracles in many other people. So we go back to the question we looked at when Jesus healed the lame man that Jesus asked, what is the greater miracle? For you to walk or for you to be forgiven of sins? 
Jesus, your Savior, is compassionate, is perceptive, and will bring a miracle to what has limited you. Either now, tomorrow, or ultimately when He returns. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus, it's done. It's settled. I know this is not easy to believe, and I know it might be bringing up some painful thoughts. We want to pray for you. We want to walk through these truths with you together. So let's just stop and reflect. So what do we learn about Jesus? What do we learn about God through this story? Well, first of all, the obvious is that Jesus heals the blind. So, and since then, there's been many documented miracles of that. In the scripture, Jesus healed multiple blind people using different methods. So Jesus heals the blind. So we shouldn't stop short of asking Jesus to heal the blind. Second, Jesus brings healing to what had limited the man all his life. Right? It's a very specific miracle. So we should also pray that God would heal what has limited others all their lives. Number three, Jesus is the proven Savior. It was predicted that the Messiah would heal the blind. Jesus noted the prophecy and he fulfilled the prophecy. Only he is the proven Savior. And number four, Jesus is more powerful than our limitations. These are truths that we can take away from this story. I find these truths to be helpful. Do you? Good, good. All right, so how should we respond? Well, first, receive and believe in Jesus as Savior. Chris, you come and play guitar. Receive and believe Jesus as Savior. Listen, we talk about it on a regular basis. On a regular basis. We are here because we believe that Jesus is our Savior. This is a safe place for you to find and follow Jesus. We want you to be able to do that. So whatever your journey, wherever you've been, whatever you're going through, don't make the mistake of walking out the door today without receiving Jesus as your Savior. It's simple. And it's so powerful that there is nothing too complicated or too difficult in your life to be healed, to be made right, for you to have real restoration. So receive and believe in Jesus as Savior. Second, receive healing to what has limited you. I would encourage you, don't shy away from praying for what is impossible. Now, we've got to be honest about where our faith is bruised, where we are discouraged, where we have stopped short because of the times where we have not seen God do what He wants to do. And again, I'm just going to mention many times, uh, it's available as an audio book as well, With Christ in the School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. You can get for a dollar, you can get at the library, you can get an audio book, fantastic book to help us start the journey of being honest about when prayer requests are not answered. And how do we respond with Christ in the school of prayer? So don't stop short of asking God for a miracle. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that it's a mistake to try to drum up faith within yourself based on how you're feeling or even what you're thinking. That's a mistake. 
making a decision of your will to choose that you will believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that's where faith really starts. And the good thing is it's not based on how you feel, it's based on how powerful God is. Because at the end of the day, whatever the miracle you're praying for, it's not going to happen based on you, how good your week was, how good your character was. The Bible proves that out. It's based on how powerful God is. That was worth shouting an amen to. I'm just saying. Number three, what we see as a lesson from this story, we should point to Jesus as the source of new life and our healing. What does the blind man do? He receives the healing. He tells other people about the healing. He's put on the spot. The the Pharisees actually quote from Joshua 7, the way they interrogated Achan. And they say, give glory to God. You must be honest. It was like this became this superstitious, weird test they put people through. And when he was put to the test, he said, Jesus did a miracle. So I should never stop telling the story about Jesus healing my body. Jesus healing my spirit and my soul. The blind man recognized Jesus as Savior and worshipped Him out in the open. Might we be so bold as to point to Jesus as the source of new life and our healing? Number four, like the disciples, let's walk the journey of faith together. The only way this works is when we're completely honest. Honest about what we believe. Honest about what we struggle to believe. Honest about the good. Honest about the bad. This You won't see, unless God just chooses to do a miracle, you won't see the spiritual growth in your life if you're going to hold back and only ever be 80% honest and candid. If you're going to sit back and just attend the event and do what's comfortable. It takes real direct participation. Collaboration. And that means you've got to choose how you spend your time, energy, and money. Will you make the spiritual life? Will you make the kingdom of God your actual priority? Will you engage with other believers? Will you be honest about where you're at in the journey? Will you hear from them? Will you engage with what we're doing and how we're journeying together? Will you encourage someone else in their faith? It's possible to be open and honest about what you believe and what you don't believe and to find encouragement. It's possible to find life-giving relationships. But it's not going to happen if all I do is occasionally attend an event and never make it more of a priority than that. I love you today. I'm so thankful that you're here today. We want everybody to come as often as you can. Come whenever you can. But I want you to also know that there's real life-changing power when we go deeper. When we engage personally and honestly. We get together with each other one-on-one in groups, in homes, in life groups. When we pray for each other. When we come together in the service and somebody says, hey, if you need prayer, just raise your hand. And then we honestly just recognize our need. That's what God's looking for. That's what God is looking for today. 
I'd like to close in prayer. Will you just stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? As we talked about this story, you may not be physically blind, but maybe your ability to perceive something spiritually has been altered. Maybe it's because of something you've been looking at that you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe as we talked, there was a a physical malady, an ailment, a disorder, a disease that is affecting you that you, you want to see a miracle. Maybe there's something in your character, a pattern of thinking, a emotional cycle. Maybe there's something in you that has affected you. And when we talked about it, you immediately started to think about it because it's affecting you more than it should. And maybe you've even, and as I was praying over this passage this week, I could even just, I remember in my own life being at this place and saying this, and was just thinking there may be somebody here today that you're experiencing this. You've even been able to verbalize, I don't know what it is, but this thing affects me in a way that's not normal. This thing has more power over me than what's normal. You know, for me, it's like the check engine light on the car, doing the taxes, right? What What is the thing that stresses you, that overcomes you, that overwhelms you? What is the thing that is affecting you more than it should? So whatever that is today, just identify your need by raising your hand, and I want to pray for miracles. Come on. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for miracles. If you don't need that miracle today, I want you to just join me. We come to the God of miracles, whose son Jesus Christ revealed that in him there is power beyond what we have. So God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, in relationship with you through your son Jesus. And we say, oh God, by your Holy Spirit, would you come here? Would you come now and do miracles? Lord, would you make right whatever is wrong? Would you set bodies into order, respiratory system, vascular systems? Lord, remove tumors, Lord God. Remove illnesses, remove disorders. Lord, we pray for documented medical miracles. Lord, if it's a pattern of thinking, an emotional cycle, a mistake that is constantly, perpetually repeated, God, we ask that you would do a miracle that where there has been a compulsion to make mistakes, there would be freedom. Lord God, where there has been depression and anxiety and overwhelming thoughts, would there be freedom, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, where we have become unable to perceive things spiritually in an accurate way, would you open our spiritual eyes? Lord, where our faith has become bruised and it's become a defining characteristic, would you bring healing to our faith? Would you do miracles, we ask, in the name of Jesus? Come today, Lord. Walk among us and do miracles. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.